The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, have you ever had an epiphany? Uh, no, I've celebrated it once every year. <laughs> it's almost like we did this once and started over. <laughs> Just about. <yeah>. <laughs> did <laughs> I then talk about it being some sort of pagan ritual in the Mullins household? I probably, Something like that, yeah. I probably did. No, the epiphany I'm talking about is the one that Chris Killip had. The uh, Well, he uh, described often as the, the Manx photographer who was doing really well in London, actually. He was uh, assisting so many high, um, uh, mighty photographers and then he decided to go back. Um, I mean, so I'm, I'm sort of abridging the story slightly here, but he decided to go back to the Isle of Man, his birthplace, and made this incredible project, uh, beautiful black and whites, terrific portraits in particular, of the people in the times, the 60s and 70s of, of the Isle of Man. I know you've seen the exhibition, not the one that I saw on Monday, uh, Monday just gone, at the Photographer's Gallery, but you've you've seen it, haven't you? At um, I saw it at Martin Park, um, but I don't think it was the same one because it was a lot smaller. Incredible work. And it was an epiphany where he thought, I need to go and document. I kept thinking as I, as I was walking around this exhibition, Kev said this, Kev said this, Kev said this, it was, uh, you know, the nostalgia that you see is not necessarily nostalgic in your eyes at that time, but it will be in the years to come. And that's yes. what these photographs are all about. And if you have a chance to go and see Chris Killip's work online, poor, you will not spend a finer two, three, four, five, six hours going down the rabbit hole, as you will, looking at Chris Killip's work. K-I-L-L-I-P. Did, did you go for an alcoholic beverage afterwards? Uh, no. Uh, no. No. Before? No. During? No. Why should I have done? Well, I'm not going to go and watch it with you then. <laughs> the Fujicast. Right, here we are once again for the Fujicast, the bi-monthly, uh, duo-weekly, duo-monthly. What do we call it now, Kev? I've forgotten. No, oh, <laughs> the thing that comes on whenever we're ready. <laughs> That's it. Um, you and your questions about, uh, well, not just about Fujifilm cameras, but mostly, always welcome if you send them through the email. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Uh, or indeed, you can send them through the Book of Face. How do we do that, Kev? Uh, go to Facebook, uh, search for Fujicast, join the group, and add a question to the post that is pinned at the top. Mm. Um, we haven't had one in two whole months. I was about two whole weeks, Kev. What? Yeah, I think everybody's left us. Have people gone on strike? No, oh, they've gone to the Sonycast. <laughs> is there such a thing? I don't know. Probably. I, I bet you Steve's doing that one, isn't he? Hey, the, the so Sony cast, Ian Sam, the ultimate double act. Um, yeah, cricket cast. Two, two, two weeks. Yeah. Oh, blimey. Well, we've had a few emails in, so we've got questions to answer. We've got a backlog of questions. Yeah, it's yeah. all okay. However, I am starting to get into my mini mood. <laughs> so soon. It's, <laughs> yes. it's only the start of February. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, an interview. It's the second part of uh, of your conversation. Um, do you remember? Uh, two weeks have gone. Do you remember who your conversation is with, Kev? John Dolan. <laughs> John Dolan. That's <laughs> Oh, it's like a test. This is sometimes. It's like it feels a test. like months. It I does. was convinced we'd done both of those no, parts. No, no. Second part coming out today. Um, do we have a book? We don't always have a book. Is there a book nah. this week? No, no book this week. So. Unless you want me to talk about my journey to the tenth Dan by George Kerr. You're what a what a what what Dan? <laughs> no, don't worry. It's a judo book. <laughs> have you been doing actually? Because it was a couple of weeks ago. You were just about to. Uh, no. You were going to South London, were you? Was it last week? When, when did you go to South London? Yeah, this time warping business is doing my head in. Yeah. Um, 
it was on Saturday, yesterday, two days ago. If oh. we're talking podcast days, if <laughs> so we're it's... talking in real life days, <laughs> it's tomorrow. I thought you'd been doing some judo in meantime, though, Kev. Well, I've been training, yeah, yeah but my my grading is tomorrow. Ooh, how are you looking for it? Do you think is it? Looking I, I'm looking anxiously, nervously. Are you? Worrisomely. Is can you? I mean, can you sort of? I know this sounds odd, but can you? Can you sense some somebody's nervousness when when they're on the? Is it called the mat? Yeah, Matt, Matt Tatami. Um, yeah, I guess so. You can, I think, yeah, I, I mean, suppose you can when yeah. you look at people, but I, I tend not to look at people when I go on the mat because I'm too nervous myself. I but you, do, well, you have to, don't you? You have to bow, then look them in the eyes, and then it's all, all action. Look, you have to bow, but you don't have to look them in the eyes. Do you not? Oh. That's what I do. I look at their feet. Look at their feet. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, have they yeah. got horrible feet, Kev? I don't want those wrapped around my head. Thank you very much. Exactly. There's there's a motivation, isn't it? Yeah. Get my feet around his head first. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. And I've got my ankle. I've got my ankle brace because I've had bad ankles over the years, yeah. and uh, and I've never washed it, so it's got a great old pong on it. You've it's never like washed your ankle brace. No. Nah. That's my dis- lucky ankle brace. <laughs> well, you worry that you might wash <laughs> the luck out of it or something. Yeah. If and when <laughs> I finally get this. Uh, belt, then I'll wash it. Oh, Kev! <laughs> and I go throw a judo suit out with a capital D. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and is it uh, working with our time things here? It is the uh, Wales are playing this weekend, aren't they? In the Six Nations, Wales have just played, <laughs> just played, just played Ireland, oh, and England have just played Scotland. Oh, of what which I'll, what were the scores, got. Kev? <laughs> um, I'm going to say I'm actually I've got a quiet confidence oh. about Wales. Um, secretively i think with warren gatland back i think we might i think it'll be close mm. i'm not going to say necessarily wales will beat ireland but i think it will be a lot closer than perhaps people are expecting ireland haven't beaten wales in cardiff since 2013 Ooh. um and i think england are going to smash france scotland scotland who are they playing yeah scotland, scotland. <laughs> oh they'll definitely smash scotland do you think so i'm yeah. feeling so confident at the moment about scottish, it. scottish rugby it's like might as well call them the barbarians what? Yeah, they've got players from all over the world, haven't they? Uh-huh. Not that many of them. Mind you, Matt managers are allowed to come from all over the world, so why not players? Yeah, no, it's true. What if one of the opposing players, though, from Ireland has a, a lucky unwashed sock? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or yeah. ankle brace. Right. You yeah. could be in trouble. Underpants. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, there can't be a sports person on this planet who keeps unwashed lucky underpants for a match. I bet you there is. <laughs> that would be horrible. I'm not one of them, but I bet you there is. <laughs> Uh, what do you make of the... I know you've got to be very careful here because there's serious reasons why it's not being allowed to be sung, certainly not by the choirs anymore, but Delilah, uh, which which for years has been an anthem. It's been anthemic, hasn't it, on the on the terraces of I'll stop w- you there. Wales matches? I'll stop you there. It is an absolutely ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100% ridiculous. And all that's going to happen is the people in the crowd will sing it, blare it out, if they're going to ban songs based on abstract meanings, well, it's not abstract. Kev. It was. It was about. It, it is. It is a story. It's a story of. Yes, it is abusive, a story. Abusive it's a story, story, but it's it's a fiction story written by Tom Jones. Mm. Well, actually, he didn't write the lyrics, but that's like saying you can no longer read any books where there's murder. 
you can no longer the Scottish national anthem. There's lines in it where it says we're going to come across the border and stab and maraud the English. Oh, I don't think they say um, that. <laughs> they the might feel it when they're singing you know, it. There's, <laughs> a re- there's a reason why they don't sing the fourth verse of the Scottish national anthem. Is that? Um, right, if you want to talk about swing low and it's it's uh, swing low street chariot and its ties to um, slavery. Yeah, yeah. I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, and I don't give a damn. It is absolutely ridiculous. Now, that does not mean that I approve with people stabbing their wives because no. I don't. But I, for one, if I was there, I won't be because I'll be getting beaten up at my grading. <laughs> I will be singing it as loud as possible. It's just a song. Anyway, next on the phone-in, we're going to... <laughs> I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. I know. You've you raised my blood pressure. I can tell. <laughs> oh, dear. Note to self, don't ask Kev about rugby songs again. <laughs> But it has been a big news story, and if you're not aware of the story, that's that's uh, it's it's the last couple of days in particular where it's really blown up. If you pardon the expression, um, it's insane. It's a song. Ooh, right. Would you like to do some photography? <laughs> Are you going to start with questions, or is it me? I've got a question here from Tom Jones. He says, "Why, why, why?" <laughs> good, Kev. Very good. Did they pick on me? Uh, no, I'll go first though. Um, go so we are having to dig back three weeks now. Mm. Ned Chapman. He says, "Hey guys, I'm very much the hobbyist photographer, and I've spent most of my time over the last twenty years documenting my family growing up. My family is now in that transition of being out more often than they are in. <laughs> no, no, that feeling. Yeah. Uh, my boys being 21, 18, and fifteen. Uh, They are specifically out about more often without me. I now find myself in what feels like a transition phase and I'm leaning more and more towards street photography with a dose of coffee shop exploration thrown in. (laughs) So many YouTube videos with all the different settings, advice, i.e. zone focusing, back button focusing, single point, manual zone, etc., etc. Do you set up your cameras in a way that deals with different scenarios quickly and easily? Mm-hmm. Do you differently between your family, wedding and street photography? Or do you keep the same settings approach regardless of style? P.S. I'm quite new to your podcast and like it so much. You made me reinstall Facebook. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, and that's from Ned Chapman. His Instagram is offinoz, O-F-F-I-N-O-Z. Actually, can I go into the middle of his questions first? Do you set your cameras up the same way for street as you would for your professional work? And in your case, that's weddings. Yep. You do? Yep. Right. So run us through how you set up. I um, normally in P mode, generally. Um, Depends a little bit on what I'm doing. So for street photography, if I'm just going out wandering around, that's what I'll typically do. Yeah. Um, P mode, date light's pretty good. Then, however, if I'm analysing the scene and I want to make one of those high contrast shadows, black and whites, you know, people walking out of shadow into highlight, that kind of thing, or the other way around, then I will use the camera to meter for the exposure that I want. Then I'll lock it in manually, assuming the sun, the light doesn't change and go from there. But by and large, if I'm just wandering around with my camera, I'm looking for moments rather than, uh, you know, worrying about too much other stuff and uh, let the camera take the strain. Now, I've I've watched you work um, on the street, and you're not... Well, you don't appear to me. You might say, no, you've not obviously watched close enough. But you're not really a from-the-hip shooter, are you? Not really. Um, No, this goes back to before flip screens were a thing. Um, Mm. And, you know, when flip flip screens weren't a thing, then a lot of people did shoot from the hip and everything. But, yeah, I mean, I'm too sure. If I shoot from the hip, I'm just going to get knees and ankles. So, you know, I don't do it. Otherwise, you've got to tilt it up and and go for it. The only time I really would do that is if I'm kind of 
trying to be a little bit more surreptitious. There's something interesting going on, whatever. Um, but typically if I'm, you know, well, let, let's say for example, um, one of the places I go to quite often is Covent Garden tube station, mm. um, at rush hour when people come in and go out and I'll, I'll set my exposure. I'll set in this, I'll set a manual expo, a manual, um, focus distance. So technically it is zone focusing cause I'm not moving. Um, and then I'll just bring the camera down maybe to kind of under my chin, my chest level, something like that. Um, and then shoot. That's that's usually the way that I do it these days. So, so your, bo- your, bo- your, your box of choice then for all, all this? Uh, street, probably. If I'm going out by myself, X100V. Mm. Uh, if I'm doing a workshop, it depends. I, I, I try and figure out what other people are bringing. Have we answered all these questions, though? We've talked about camera. We've talked about style of shooting. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that he says, you know, he's in this transition period mm. where, you know, it's the same for me, really. I I, I I practically built my my career based on taking pictures of my kids, and now they're not really that interested. Do so, they do they turn away from you now? No, not really. Actually, they're okay, but you know, it's it's not the they're not as cute anymore, are they? Oh, Kev, I, I mean, they've changed, obviously. I mean, the pictures there, there was a period where you were very um, uh, where pictures of Albie jumping in the pool were used for a, a lot of Fujifilm uh, product reviews. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I always yeah. seemed to be Albie with a great big pair of swimming goggles on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah exactly. you did. Yeah, that, you used that for. Yeah, so so street photography now is is that that transitional thing and coffee shops, obviously, by the sound of it. Um, here's one from Mark Adams from the Adams family. Oh, it's part of his e- email address. Dude, dude. Have you seen the Have you seen the new Wednesday? Um, on no, Netflix? Rosa watched it. She enjoyed Netflix. it, but I haven't. Really, really good. I uh, refused to watch it actually because I started. We we started watching the first one, and they did the opening credits, and they never did once do. And that was it for me. Yeah, but it's like, got nope. characters in it. You'd know. Hand is in there, for example. Is it called yeah. Hand? Just called Hand. The original Wednesday died this week, didn't she? Oh no, really? Yeah, the one from the original Adams Family. Oh. I don't know. Well, name. this. If if that yeah, this is a great tribute then to that character. It's it's beautifully played, wonderfully played. Anyway, Mark says hi Neil, hi Kev. It's the Garlic King of Malmesbury's fault. I saw that must be you, Kev. I saw an XT five for sale, and now it's mine. What a lovely camera and awesome raw files. However, Lightroom seems to have ground to a halt. Not just bi-weekly, but every day. <laughs> Has GKM had to upgrade his computer to cope with the files? I don't. Uh, I didn't factor a new MacBook Pro into this budget. Do you have any tips to help? Thanks for the excellent show. Du-du-du-dum. Mark Adams. Um, no, you shouldn't. Like XT5, they're only like regular um, raw files. I think they're about forty-five megabyte megabytes each. Um, you should really have no problem unless your computer is really old. Just make sure you've got. You know, everything up to date, Lightroom's up to date. If Lightroom can read the raw files, as long as you're not struggling with Lightroom reading the raw files, which might indicate that you have an older version of Lightroom or your Apple software is not up to date. But if you can see them eventually, then no, it should be no real dramas whatsoever unless it's a a particularly old computer. You can, you can, if that is the case, then you can, you can use things like smart previews and what have you in Lightroom to try and, uh, mitigate the pain a little bit. Yeah, uh, long way around. I mean, it, yeah. I can't. If you were talking about GFX 100s, then yeah, I can understand. You know, my my computer's fine, but you know, kind of, yeah, they're big, big files. Although, haven't you been rebuilding your computer this week? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, I've done a lot of stuff. You spend a lot of time rebuilding your machine. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> oh, you use a dork. You use a what? Oh, you use a dork. Yeah. No, Kev. <laughs> right, I think it's time we should mention pick time. Should we mention pick time, Kev? Yay, pick time. So, Pick Time have been kindly supporting this show now for a number of months, and we thank you very much for that support. Pick-time.com is the uh, the address um, to go to. There is a special, a special, hyper-special, super-special deal that we have, isn't there, Kev? Which is? Which is. Uh, uppercase Fujicast is your discount code. We'll give you one month free, and my, my spies on the inside tell me that around about 50 people have signed up. So wow. if you want to be wow. part of the Fujicast Pick Time crew, yeah. then you can do that. And uh, yeah, you'll get a wonderful online platform for galleries, for store, for sharing, for doing uh, photo films. Just like I think Neil and I have, have said it many times, probably the best investment. I've cancelled almost everything in the last six months, including Dropbox, everything. But one thing I definitely won't be cancelling is Pick Time because it's just too invaluable. Keep it's moving, brilliant. kids. Keep moving. Kev's cancelling everything. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Yeah. Um, pick time is, in terms of gallery, for me, that, that is perhaps the most important part of uh, my use of pick time anyway, because it does look like a website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And, and you know, one of the things that I know, especially those that do um, like wedding photography, you can do all of the automations, which are brilliant. And so things like Valentine's Day coming up, yeah. uh, you can do automations that would, you know, send an email to the groom, automatically send an email to the groom kind of thing and say, hey, it's Valentine's Day. Have you been romantic recently? <laughs> yeah, Here's was, an idea. Yeah. You've been <laughs> married for a year. Have you done anything romantic recently? Yeah, oh, no, exactly. stop doing that about one day after. <laughs> <laughs> but you can automate all of that kind of stuff, yeah. and it's great, you know. And um, the, the thing about the website is true. I, you know, I, I was talking to a potential client last night, and, you know, I showed them one of the other clients, Pick Time Gallery, and said, look, I, I'm going to build you one of these. Ooh. And uh, and they were like, oh, that's great. We share that with people. I said, yeah, and, and also you can hide pictures as well. If you know, if your mum's not happy with the bridal prep picture of her without her makeup on, you can mm. just click this button and say, don't show this to my friends and family. Or if you don't like your mum very much, you can make it yeah. bigger. You can make it bigger. Yeah, <laughs> put it. it on the front page. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so pick time dot com and our thanks to to them for supporting the show for uh, for quite a while now. And uh, yeah. Uh, move, moving ahead with them, fantastic. Um, another question, then, Kev. I think we got time for for one from the uh, the book of face. Okay, let's see. Uh, I thought it was your turn, but it's not. John St. John. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. Hang Sorry, on, no, hang no. on. I'm stopping you because we got in trouble for that last time. John Sinjan. Okay. <laughs> you told me off. That was you. You told me off for that. Did I? <laughs> you did. Why I, doesn't it say S I N J U N then? Ah, it's, it's the pronunciation. Well, it's a pronunciation thing, Kev. It's like silent letters, which I know you love. <laughs> well, quite, yes. <laughs> why anyway, why it's like why <laughs> when i get it's like when i get the cold calls at home i don't get them anymore because i'm i threw my phone away but what? Um, the landline but you know, they used to ring up and they say hello is mm. that mr mullins <laughs> hey, no it's not mr mullins <laughs> how can this you get the number we've got for mr mullins no you... mr mullins here how can you get mullins mm. wrong really oh Anyway, John yeah, says, "John, <laughs> hi, Kevin Neil. Following on from the question on why is the 23 f2 lens bigger 
than that on the X100? We had that question a couple of weeks ago, remember? Yes. Um, my question really is, why can't the Pancake 23 be made? Same way as a 27mm. I think the original posted question alluded to this. Or is this more to do with aperture size? F2 makes a bigger lens than F2.8 or field of view from 23 to 27 is marginal, which it is, and makes it not worth making a Pancake 23. I don't use 23, but it does appear to be one of the most popular focal lengths on the Fujifilm ecosystem. Um, yeah, I would imagine it's all to do with the optics inside 23 and 27 are slightly different, and the difference between um, F2 and 2.8 or 2.7, I think the original 18... Was there, no, the 60 mil was 2.7. Anyway, um, yeah, it's... Listen, the fact is, if they could make them smaller, they would have made them smaller. They don't make them at a certain size just to go, mm. <laughs> we made this bigger. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make any sense, does it? They would make it smaller um, because it would save on uh, uh, materials, like yeah. the, ma the metal and plastic, etc. Packaging, the boxes they send them out in, all of that, they would save them a lot of money. So they would have made it smaller if they could make it smaller. But to recap on the original question, why is the 23mm much smaller than, uh, much bigger than the 23mm that's on the X100? The answer to that is because the lens on the X100, half of it is buried inside the camera. Oh, yes. Whereas the 23mm lens that you screw onto the front is not. And uh, I would think there's, uh, you know, I'm not sure if the 23F2, the new 1.4 does, but I don't think the, 20, the original 23F2 had the linear motor. But there's, yeah, there's all kinds of things. And that, that aperture um, change will make a big difference. I'm surmising on that, but to kind of underline the fact that if it could be smaller, it would be smaller. Isn't it small enough? Could be another question. Mm, well, the 23F2 is tiny, I think. Yeah. Really? Um, one from Will Collin. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. Seems like a slightly trivial question. Oh, stand by, Kev. But since you said you are shorter questions, I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> that makes us sound desperate, Kev. Are we desperate? We're always I'm desperate. I'm <laughs> desperate in the Facebook group now. <laughs> are you desperate? Yeah. Desperate of Malmesbury. Sounds like something you should have on, a, on an adult dating site, Kev. <laughs> on my X-T4 and X-E3, I have selected battery level in the display custom settings menu, but it doesn't show a percentage, just a battery symbol. This contains somewhere from, well, zero to five bars, depending upon the remaining charge. Thing is, it would be so much more helpful to see a percentage, wouldn't it? Percentages are clearer and precise. I'm sure Kev won't be interested in this, but even Apple had to do a U-turn and reintroduce the battery percentage display they did to the iPhone in the most recent op system update because so many users were saying, oi, uh, because it was taken away a couple of years ago. What camera? Um, X-T4 and X-E3. Mm, for some reason, I maybe it was the X100V. I don't know. One of them, I think they had the option to show as percentage rather than... Right. Um, oh, so is it, is it in the options meant? Could you change it? I don't it? know. I, like, I'm going through now. Uh, da, da, da. I don't... Stand I don't by, Will. The, the answer is coming. I mean, I agree. I agree with the, the, the question. Percentage would be would be more... I feel I like I, I'm kind of... In the back of my head, I feel like I've had a conversation yeah, somewhere I, in the I, line. I, I was about to say that. I think we have. That was, that was something to do with... Percentage gives a false... Um, it can be inaccurate. So if they they can't they can't say you've got twenty three percent of your battery left because you might then suddenly go to you know like that might indicate or let's say twenty five that might indicate that you've got uh, a quarter of the time that you've been shooting left. Mm. 
Right. Uh, and then you might go into a place that's really cold and then your battery level will drop dramatically. Yeah, but that's only the same as when you're in your car and it says you've got, you know, you're, in, you're, you're into your emergency tank, as it were. Uh, but but it depends how heavy your right foot becomes, doesn't it? Well, no, because that's that's down on, that, that tells you in exactly how many miles you'll get. Isn't, isn't that the same it? as uh, a battery? It's something to do with that. It's something to do with it not being able to, right. uh, to you know, to be accurate to that point. You know, it can't, you know, 99% left indicates that, you know, you've used, you've got yeah. 99 times the time you've just had the camera used for. But actually that's not real because if you only had the camera on and weren't shooting, it's not going to be 99 times that time. If you start shooting heavily, then that's going to drop quite substantially. So I think it's just about an inaccuracy in it. Is it? Um, but I agree. I mean, I agree. Like seeing a percentage would be easier if it was accurate, whether it's accurate or not, don't know. With your, with your batteries, do you let them run all the way down in your use, either professional or otherwise, so that obviously when you recharge them, it's better for the battery? I, I recharge them. I just stick them all in the recharger thing. Yeah, but not the, when they're half the charged. Before the next job. Do you, well, even if they're half charged, yeah, doesn't yeah. doesn't that reduce battery life over a long period of time? I don't care. <laughs> life is too. I'm not going to be putting the, the battery back in the camera just to check and then and then have to recharge it during the the uh, cocktail hour or something. Don't I'd you wake have. up at night worrying about stuff like that, Kev? <laughs> no, I worry about very different things. Do you? <laughs> yes, but not battery life. No, I, I yeah. Oh, you're right though. You're dead right. You should you know to get the most out of battery, you should discharge it and then recharge it. I think our friend Steve actually broke into Will Collins' email because there's a sentence in the middle here that doesn't look like it was written by Will. I hate to mention this here, but the Sony A6100 does show the battery percentage. Oh, get us. Are Fujifilm, this is another part of his question, uh, are Fujifilm open to feature requests from their users? Apple have a forum on the, or form rather, sorry, on the website where anybody can submit a question or request rather for new functions or features. What's the Fujifilm equivalent? Could Kev mention it to the big wigs in Tokyo? Well, well there, I mean, there is, yeah. I mean, I can't mention it to the big wigs in Tokyo because I don't really have that contact any longer. But um, there is, you can, you can reach out to them on Twitter. And also if you're in the Facebook group, obviously we have our very own Andreas, who is the marketing manager in the UK, yes. who, who has passed back pretty much everything that feedback he gets so um you know he's he's a good egg like that yeah, um, is, yeah. so yeah you can you can do that and i bet your sony rep won't do that <laughs> i bet he Percentage will um have you ever seen michael mcintyre it's a very british thing this i appreciate that many parts of the world that listen to this program won't have a clue who i'm talking about maybe anyway michael mcintyre's um show on a saturday called the big show on, yeah uh, have you seen that have you seen the feature called send to all which is where uh, yeah yeah okay yeah. so so they have a celebrity and the celebrity passes down in a in a little basket to the stage for the comedian michael mcintyre passes down their phone and then that phone is plugged into a system or something. And then it comes up on a big screen on the stage. And Michael sends a message to everybody in the contacts uh, list. And it's usually something very embarrassing and waits to see what celebrities say when they send something back. I bet if we did a send to all, Kev, you would have a lot of email, a lot of uh, texts going out to uh, people like Cunio and all those important people in Fujifilm. So you would still have their ears, you see, Kev. They bounce back. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They still love Mullins. Or, or Mr. Mullins, as I will now know you. <laughs> Mr. Mullins. <laughs> Mr. Mullins. Right, John Dolan. 
time for our guest. I've been looking at a lot of John's work since you had a conversation with him. Absolutely love it. Very, um, I think the word, Kev, is, um, is honest. Very honest work. Yeah, and that's a word he uses a lot. Um, integrity. Mm. You know, rather than this, this incessant chase for perfection, pixel perfection and sharpness and perfection, which, yeah, I'm as guilty as that as anybody. But yeah, honesty, that's good. Part two then of John Dolan talking to Kevin Mullins. <laughs> There's a wonderful um, quote, which I think is on your website. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld says, uh, what I love about John's pictures is how his lovely soul comes through in the moments he sees in other people. Um, And I thought that was amazing. Lovely soul comes through in the moments he sees, which is just kind of sums up your work to me, at least. Um, How do you how do you think you you see the moments? How does uh, how does it evolve in your mind when you walk through that door in the morning? Um, uh, you know, perhaps it appears a little bit quiet, maybe not great things are happening. Uh, you know, how, how does how does that manifest itself in the way that you go about the rest of the day? I, I think that's such a key, key moment because I think that's what's come with maturity is that I don't freak out when it's not happening. And I let it come to me rather than push hard and uh and i think the less i say that leaves space for my subjects to feel what they're feeling uh rather than having to respond to me or listen to my directions or so it is a it's an unusual approach but when you think about it that's how i'd want to be photographed i wouldn't want somebody telling me how to feel or telling me what to do with my hands i'd want somebody who was uh a positive presence in the room. Even when I do family pictures, like I, I photographed the Seinfeld family for 20 years and I've had to learn that my ego has to stay out and I'm in their house as a guest, but I'm more than a guest, but I'm not family, but I'm in this in-between space of sort of trusted observer or welcome guest or whatever the phrase is. You have to work your way inside by being graceful and not pushy and not a jerk and not, uh, there's a lot of things you can't be. What you're left with is you're just kind of somebody they don't mind having around. Yeah. As you said at the beginning, a friend with a camera. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think that gets taught a lot or you can't look at a YouTube video on how to be a gracious guest, but I think that's turned out to be a really good skill. You know, if I look back at my own life, it's being the youngest of six i was always used to being in a large crowd but being quiet and not to being noticed by people who are just being a good presence yeah i feel like these days um that you know especially with the instagram generation and um you know a lot of people seem to want their weddings to be some kind of fairy tale and you know we see that in the industry a lot um and I, i i also don't shoot to the fairy tale, I shoot very similar ethos to you. Um, but I do feel that we are at this moment in time uh, struggling with the, the the sheer social media and online presence of blogs and bridal magazines. And this is what your wedding should be like rather yeah. than this is how it is. I had a bride one time walk in and we were talking she's in the middle of planning her wedding and she she just looked out into space and she said, I'm throwing out all these words. I'm not going to listen to any of these words. Should, have to, must, uh, 
you know, all these obligations that the wedding industry was putting on her. And she said, I'm going to do what I want and uh, plan this wedding, uh, just design it the way I want it to be, which I thought it was a, I thought that was such an interesting um, glimpse into the mental space of people who are getting pressurized from all directions. Um, I also speak to a lot of photographers and I get this impression that a lot of people are trying to prove themselves to their clients that they're doing a great mm-hmm. job. They're working hard all through the cocktail reception and they're cranking on the dance floor. And I think that with age comes this confidence that you're proving your worth by the beauty of the photographs you're going to deliver yeah. and not by hustling or sweating or having, you know, 10 cameras around your neck. And um, so it. I, I, and I think there has been a shift in the last couple of years, and I think that there's an opportunity while there's all this buzzing around of social media and people Instagramming the whole wedding, there's a great opportunity for really magnificent, subtle, powerful pictures. Yeah. And I, you know, there's always that. And if only, if you only need to find 12 or 15 uh, interesting clients, yeah. it's it, the opportunity's there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I think also some photographers, um, you know, they they feel under pressure from other photographers because of social media, and perhaps they when they're shooting, they're thinking, I want to make something great for my blog, rather than that being a happy reward or a happy accident if it happens on the day, and I think the mindset is incorrect in that 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 regard from some people. Well, it's also it's not like any other business. I mean. We are live performers, so we have to arrive on that day and and leave everything yeah. we can on the dance floor. But um, it's it's not like a normal business that uh, I mean I've never worked in a corporate yeah. environment, but I think people have to understand that wedding photography is a really unique job that yeah. requires a lot of special people skills and not normal business skills yeah definitely i totally agree with you coming back to the book the perfect imperfect and and it's 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 such a wonderful title how, how did that whole project how did the book project happen and uh and where did the title come from is that something you've used for a while through your career or it's uh, you know this is a book that i've been working on on and off for 10 years at least probably longer but um I always knew that I had uh, started before most people. I I started in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so I wanted to stake my ground, and I wanted to expand the definition of wedding photography. I thought it was getting so narrow uh, into those pretty and perfect pictures, and I thought um, the best thing I could do would be to put a book out that says there's no narrow definition anything that has the uh, power of memory and power of of capturing that unique moment uh, can serve as a wedding picture and it doesn't have to follow these rules so i finally found a publisher early in the pandemic uh, damiani books in bologna and the book designer yolanda cuomo she was the one who really came up with the the full title because I'd been using the imperfect as a hashtag, but she put it all together and it all clicked. Um, is it doing well? It's almost sold out. Wow. Well, I'm glad I've got my copy then. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, 
a, a photo book is a, uh, I've learned that it's, everybody wants to do a photo book and it's not a simple process. It's photo books are very expensive to produce and to ship. And, um, but I'm, I'm glad it's out there in the world and mm. uh, I'm uh, grateful it, to the whole process. It's a beacon of light um, in the wedding photography world. I can tell you that right now. It's um, not just from the books, but uh, just from a, a point of view. I'm looking, I'm glancing at it right now, a point of view of reference. Uh, you know, I'm just picking it up all the time. Every single day I pick it up and I, I flick through the pages and I'm just, you know, looking at these images and, and they're just beautiful. And they're, they're not they're not images that one can necessarily copy or, or take inspiration from in terms of I'm going to try and do that at my next wedding. But the mindset, the philosophy, the approach, and that is that sinks into people, I think. And I think it's, mm. uh, as I said, I think it's a beacon of light. That's very kind. It's I, I, I just one more thing about it, because it's uh, I think it was it's almost like the industry needed to have some uh, sense of permission. That's the message I've gotten from a lot of photographers. Like, I didn't know I was allowed to do this, to do put my own mark on things. I thought I had to follow this template, and yeah. that's what really was was kind of gnawing at me. Is like, because when I started with my buddies, there were no rules. There were, no, I'm sure you know, back in mm -hmm. the pre 2000, mm -hmm. pre 2004, it was a free. Mm -hmm. We were free to make it up, basically. Yeah. So I feel that everybody has everyone else watching them these days so it's not easy yeah absolutely it's it, it's amazing and we, we as i said we we spoke about the book a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and um uh, you know i've encouraged as many people as possible to get it so hopefully it will sell out completely soon um from a from a technical point of view you shoot film and digital i presume yes um which do you prefer oh i love i love having both of them at my disposal i i use the like m10 and being able to shoot in Almost any situation, any lighting situation is fantastic. Um, my basic rule of thumb is the worse the light, the better the digital is, and the inverse. So if it's sweet light, I'm going to shoot film. If it's bad light, I'll do digital. But I took a long time to learn to love digital. And then uh, the Leica M240 was the first one I really loved, and then the M10. Yeah. And do you, do, do you process your own film? Do you... I have a lab in Brooklyn that I send it to. Okay, and they upload digitally, so it's it's all seamless. Right. Okay. And and so you'll do you edit the digital images to to try and match the film, or or is there a very difference between them? You know, I I I'm so fluent in film. I'm so comfortable in film, and I'm I wouldn't say I'm great at my editing in digital, but I make it work somehow. But I don't I don't really blend them as much it's it's they sort of serve different purposes and different storytelling purposes you know one of the things i do is i deliver a box of 15 prints 15 11 by 14 prints to my clients and i'd say 12 out of 15 of those are film just the the, the art pictures end up being the film and um yeah it always makes me laugh that we you know these days we spend thousands on modern digital cameras and then we try and edit the images to make them look yeah. like they were taken on film cameras exactly <laughs> um, so uh, i won't, won't keep you too much longer john but I, uh, there's one question that i always ask all of the guests um and it's a little bit off the bat uh if you if you could shoot for one day with one other photographer dead or alive uh who would it be and, and why 
Well, my my I was I always think that my favorite photographer was Jacques Henri Lartigue, mm-hmm. um, and he he was one of these people I stumbled upon when I was hitchhiking through Europe when I was 23 and I found one of his postcards at a uh, museum in Paris and he photographed his lovers all through the 20s and 30s and uh, you can almost it's almost like you're looking inside his personal diary but his pictures gave me that permission to photograph people close to me in a very intimate way but not a sentimental way but his pictures he's stepping back while he's in this love affair and looking yeah. at it almost from the corner of the room, he just enjoyed life as well. He's, you know, he's quite optimistic guy. We need optimism. We all need optimism. Um, I so, think so. <laughs> um, any any kind of final wise words to uh, to the listeners? Perhaps people who are at the beginning of their journey as uh, as wedding photographers. Uh, in a nutshell, I think uh, I think the best advice I can give is to to know that money follows art and not the other way around so if you're if you if you're you have to figure out a way to pay your rent I understand that but if you're obsessed with trying to be a salesperson your art's going to suffer but if you're obsessed with the art and you can really grow yourself as an artist then the money people will find you and appreciate you and I think that's the the only way i think there's too much uh, emphasis on on figuring out how to monetize and um and the wedding industry has always been that way it's really hard to stay pure and because uh, it's a commercial enterprise mm. but there's opportunities there's great people out there yeah i think that's 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 very very wise the money will follow the art um very wise indeed um so Anybody can find you on uh, johndolan.com and I really encourage people to also look at your Instagram because that's that's beautiful and dig into that blog and all of these these images that you share regularly um, which is which is a luxury really because uh, you know not all photographers will share so kindly so thank you on behalf of the community for that. Uh, you're very welcome. And our thanks to, to John Dolan for uh, spending some time with us over the last couple of episodes. Next couple of episodes, you are in conversation with, sounds like a radio show now, Kev's in conversation with, fill in the gaps, Kev, fill in the gaps. <laughs> Ali Stuart Ross. Ali Stuart Ross. Have you done that conversation yet? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do you yeah. want to tease us with some things you talk about? Yeah. So uh, some of you will know Ali from the Facebook group. Some of you may have met her at the old ex weddings conference that we put together a long mm. time ago. Um, and yeah, wonderful. Was a wonderful documentary photographer and, and essentially flipped completely to become a newborn photographer, um, but with a with a smashing new brand yeah. Mabel and Moose and uh, all that goes with it and has done very very well for herself so we talk a lot about that transition and uh, you know work-life balance and stuff switching brands if there's there's a letter here a letters coming Kev real letter this one comes from I'm trying to think of a name who says are you going to do another ex-weddings conference uh no oh why not ex-weddings that's for sure I mean I'd like to think we would do more Fujicast stuff yeah but X weddings, the, the X weddings conference was did two of them, and uh, so for those of you that don't know, I mean, actually there's probably a lot of people who don't know. I originally set up a group on Facebook for called X weddings, which was for wedding photographers who shoot with the Future Film X series. Yeah, it's now got something like thirteen thousand people in it. <laughs> um, Blimey. It, 
it's enormous. Yeah, um, yeah. We should do another conference then, Kev. There's enough people there. Yeah, but but it kind of um, I don't actually go in the group very oh, much. Okay. Um, and we did those two conferences. You helped me greatly in in them, and yeah, they made a little bit of money, but there was a lot of drama. Notwithstanding the fact that halfway through the second one, the the Hilton that we were basing it at rang me up and said, "Oh, we can't do it anymore. We're decorating." So we then had to get a new venue and all that. And and you know, without kind of banging the drum and all that kind of stuff, I I, I kind of. I need to focus on different things. Let's just say that. I must admit, I did think you lost a bit of hair during the latter one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I went to Mehmet the other day, uh, around the corner. The, the um, Oh, your Turkish barber, yeah. The kebab man, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, the what, the kebab man? Yeah, he does kebabs in the night. Not from the city, from next door. I he, the same shop. Would you like something t- for the weekend, sir? Kebab? <laughs> oh, very nice. Thank you very he much. T- <laughs> he tapped me on the top. Did he? Like uh, this. No! He said, you come to Turkey, my friend, £2,000. You look like me. <laughs> and what does Mehmet look like? Does well, he look London good? London costs you £6,000. Yeah, I would. What does Mehmet's uh, weave or thatch look like? He looks great, I does have to it? say. And he yeah. did, yeah. I mean, uh, probably two years ago, he was just like me, you know, quite a, yeah. uh, certainly an open top in the in the canopy <laughs> coming. And uh, and now he, like, he looks like a lion. He's got a mane of hair. Oh, really? Amazing. Is, yeah. it a, is it a wig or a proper? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. supposed to be painful, though, isn't it, Kev? Yeah, I think it is meant to be painful. Because it's neat. I mean, they're, they're just essentially stitching hair into you. Yeah. And also, I feel like, I don't know, I would, of course, we all like, we'd all like to, you know, look the way we want to look and yeah, everything. Yeah, but you yeah. know what? I'm 50. I've got my forever wife. I've got my forever home. You know, I, I don't, I don't really need to be spending money I haven't got on, on a vanity project, really. Yeah. A lot of people, I've, I, I, well, I, I might do my teeth. a lot of people on telly have very very white teeth now kev it's (laughs) you can't i mean if you watch one of the graham norton is a good example not graham per se but i suspect he probably has his teeth done but it's perfect very white teeth for every single guest that comes on is ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, it is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it, it, I don't know. Uh, listen, every, people can do what they want. Uh, yeah. I'm not here to knock them, but I wouldn't, you know, uh, I would feel more uh, unlikely. I don't smile much now because of my teeth, and I'd smile even less if every time I smiled, people, you know, fell into a radioactive coma. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I I did for one second, because somebody I know had it done, and I thought, that looks amazing. Amazing for one moment, Kev. Only one moment, I promise. I think it's fair enough. Think you know, about, I mean, I, well, I, I was going to say Botox is what I was going to say because they oh, look, right. they looked incredible. Uh, you know, if it works and you feel more confident about yourself, yeah. then I think, and you've got the money to do it, then absolutely. You know, a lot of people struggle with you know kind of stuff, and it's always been my teeth. You know, and and well, that's quite a serious thing because people used to be. Uh, very cruel and say some horrible thing. We've we've yeah. had this as a conversation as uh, in in the podcast of yeah, people that yeah, say horrible, yeah. cruel things that they would never say to your face. You know, trolling, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no. but I mean, the, the people have said things about your teeth, haven't they? And then and they've been horrible. Oh yeah, they have totally, and that's the only reason why I would probably think about doing that. But uh. you know, and I wouldn't, but I wouldn't want to be one of those super brights. <laughs> you know, I'd rather be a little uh, <laughs> shade of. Little shade of yellow. What did you call it? Radio going to a radioactive coma because you yeah. looked at your teeth. 
Yes, yeah, Kev, put your sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Right, go on. Questions. Were well, you going to go first? Have you got one from the from the book of face? We need we need questions, by the way, both in the book of face and also to click at fujicast.co.uk. Otherwise, we're back to monthly. <laughs> I've got one from Luke Warwick yep. who says, "Boys," mm-hmm. with several Z's. Uh, what do you do when you feel like you've had enough? Question mark. I'm struggling with my enthusiasm. <laughs> my get up and go oh. has got up and gone. Oh, um, and left me sat sat, sat here. There's so much I need to do for my business and ideas in my head, but I just cannot seem to be asked. <laughs> I've been in this industry for about 18 years and so I've seen lots of changes in trends. I've watched social media be invented and helped to build businesses oh. and destroy them. I've moved what? with these times and embraced what I can. But then you reach a point where you wonder, what is it all for? Please send help or advice. Big love, Luke Warwick. Well, That's Luke. Warwick, Warwick you... is his name, not where he's from. Yeah. Like um, Dion. I am um... <laughs> Dion Warwick. Um, I think that what Luke is describing is something a lot of not just creative people, but a lot of people, especially business business people of um, all sorts of size of companies, but uh, particularly those in the, the the sort of single business person brigade, like what you and I is, Kev, mm. have found this to be an issue. And I think I think put my neck out here. It was very much a product of that horrible pandemic. Where, yeah. where where people slowed down and thought, oh, is this what life on the outside is like? Yeah. And I, I, Luke, I've suffered with very much the same as you're talking about now. I think my productivity, I mean, you remember, Kev, I was doing 80, uh, in fact, it was 88, I think was the most, I was 83, whatever it was, weddings in a year. That's a lot of weddings in a year. Now, you might say, well, it's only 80. 80 days of what but it's not it was it was no. it's everything that goes with it it's the wedding day itself it's the preparations for it it's the meetings it's the post work even if you do have and i mean post production not just the travel yeah, as well yeah. travel the whole thing about running a business around 80 80 days 88 days is a lot of work and i think my productivity was was you know i i felt like i was a machine i'm not sure i feel like that now my machine has lost a lot of sump oil but i think the pandemic slowed me down and coming out the other side of it i don't think i'm as productive as i used to be no uh yeah i agree the pandemic probably had a a very like a huge impact on people and and probably did make people reevaluate a lot and Mm. you know there was a lot of especially if you were um you know bailed out by the government in any way yeah and probably sat there thinking this is lush you know, she's great. I'm just kind of sat here. I'm getting paid, and I, and I'm, I understand what Saturdays are all about, and various things like that. You know, that's that's something that we all had to deal with, and that's something that everybody has to get over as well. Yeah. Um, but I think from a this this might sound a little bit brutal, but if you don't have a passion for the business that you're running, then you're going to struggle. You need to find a way of getting that passion back, and and that can be as simple as introducing elements of the business that you enjoy more. Um, you know, could be uh, maybe you enjoy, I don't know, teaching, doing workshops. Maybe you just in, enjoy a day out shooting and you you allocate yourself that in the diary. Um, you know, various things like that will help. But from a very kind of businessy point of view, I've always worked on the mantra of, uh, you know, I, I like to-do lists work magnificently well, but 
it's very easy to get tied up, bogged down with the stuff that you enjoy most. Yeah. So, you know, for a lot of people, like doing their website is actually quite an enjoyable experience because, you know, you like looking at it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And people spend a lot of time on it. And then they they ignore the rest of the business. They ignore the, the marketing and how to get business and where, you know, what's going on, what's going wrong. So from a very simplest point, simplistic point of view, to-do list work, but start on a daily basis, start with the stuff you dislike the most work your way up to the stuff you enjoy and that'll give you something to look forward to throughout the day and and it, it genuinely genuinely works genuinely works um and you know and, and then you can add you can build that into like a monthly schedule if you like these are my you know don't uh, one, again one of the big problems that people do is they over target they give themselves too many targets especially in like a given month or this month I need to do three YouTube videos. I need to edit all my weddings. I need to tidy my studio. I need to get some portrait shots in, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's probably too much. So give yourself very realistic targets uh, under, under, you know, un, uh, under um, promise yourself and, you know, and you'll work to those and get, and get them done. You know, switch the internet off if that if it's a drain. You know, YouTube, all of that kind of stuff. If you you know if you find yourself sitting at your computer in the morning and you know staring at YouTube or staring at Netflix, or whatever, switch the internet off. You know, switch the internet off. Deal with all your emails. Deal with your accounting if you can do it offline. Uh, get all of that stuff done, and then move on to you know the, the important things of the day. But you know, at the end of the day, if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it, and your yeah. business will fail. And yeah. and that's the fact. That's that's just the fact of it. What about the um, the half hour window way of working, Kev? Fo photo films is something for me, which is a good example of this. They they are quite well. They are labour intensive, and if I look at one, uh, I mean I love doing them, but I don't love doing them all on one day. I, I, now I separate. I think right, I'm going to do the audio. I'm going to edit the audio of two of the speeches today, and then put it aside. And then the next day you do two other bits and, and start looking at things in half hour windows instead. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that might work for you. I don't, that doesn't work for me. I like to, once I start something, I like to finish it, oh, do you? But, right, okay. but that doesn't mean yeah. that that won't work for other people. No. Um, you know, there's a lot of self-help books and stuff like that out there that say, you know, work, work till 10 AM then then go to the beach. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's it. That's all you need. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's freezing. It's dark. And I don't live anywhere near a beach and I've got a mountain of emails to get through. Perfect. Um, perfect for you and your big shiny white teeth, but I <laughs> and your Botox. <laughs> yeah, Botox. Um, but yeah, you've got to find a system that works for you, haven't you? You know, you can't. You just can't. You, what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. But I can tell you what works for me is is you know is targeting things, having you know reasonable goals set, and doing it. And and I tell you, a very very simple thing that works for me also is is a clean desk, like a Ooh, tidy yes. desk. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, having clutter all over the place, and and I just kind of look and think, oh, I must put that away, and I yeah. can't. Um, there's there's a there's a YouTuber I've kind of fallen out of love with him called Ali Abdul. Who? Oh, um, you were a big Ali fan, weren't you? I did. I did used to love all of yeah, his. Yeah, I mean, stuff. he does uh, really good films on productivity. But now it's all you know adverts and and oh, yeah. Right. However, oh. you know, he he used to have some great videos in the early days. Have a look at his his early stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 he he, he says. I remember one takeaway I had from one of his was if it can be done in 10 seconds, do it. Wow. Don't put it off. So, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at my perfectly tidy desk now and there's nothing, but let's just say, I don't know, I had a cup, you know, a cup that needs to go in the sink or washed up or whatever. And it's going to take 10, 20 seconds. Do it rather than just leaving it there. And then, and it will get, it does help you from a mindfulness point of view. 
Um, Do you but, need to you have know, a chat with my youngest son, Thomas? Yeah, that room, Kev, honestly, come round and do your talk. Yeah, my kids as well. Because it's not working with me. I say it and I just get, oh, dad, you're so boring. I mean, you know, it's it, some things work, some things don't. But but stuff, find out what works for you mm. and, and do it. But uh, at the end of the day, if you don't have passion for your business, no one else is going to have passion for your business. No. And that will include the client. So. How do you find passion, though, when when you've had passion and you know you can have passion? Or shouldn't you or shouldn't you try? Is, is it where you, you say, do you know what, hands up? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. How do you define passion? Hmm. Well, how do sexy you find it? Sexy you, times. <laughs> sexy times. No, I mean, how do you find it? Not how do you define. Oh, how, I how see. Do, yeah. How do, how do you well, get... Well, you've got to have excitement for something, you, you, regardless what it is. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. don't... It's like learning a, mu- a new musical instrument, isn't it? If you don't feel excited by the prospect of being able to play that yeah. thing, then what's the point in doing it? That makes you sound passionate for it. Oh, I've got to pick up that thing. Exactly, exactly. Mm. You know, and so, you know, and that's the way it is. But it, it's not as simple as just saying, well, I don't have passion for my business anymore, so I'm going to give it up. Because mm. obviously you can't give it up because that's what you're living. You, you, you know, that's your income and you're, and you're living. But you need to somehow find a way of kickstarting that passion. Tweak from within. So it's not on the website yet. Oh, Neil, your famous website that you've been building, like Arsenal in transition when they were under Wenger for about five years, six years, seven years, ten years maybe. But I, I've, I'm doing more stuff with sound now, and uh, I tweaked some of my, my offerings to now be a sound offering. So yeah. t- tweak, maybe tweak parts of your business. Yeah. That could be a good way of doing it. Can I give you an- another YouTube channel, Kev? Mm-hmm. Now you're not watching Ali's YouTube anymore. Have you seen The Minimalists? Yes. Brilliant, Kev. Mm. Talk, oh, <laughs> you don't sound sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yes. I, actually, I, I saw it a long time ago, actually, in fairness. Okay. But, you know, you need your, you need your creature comforts, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. Do you need to know what time it is? No, get rid of that clock. <laughs> no, yeah, they're not that. I like that clock <laughs> because I, that it reminds me of the time I bought it and my nana gave it to me. And, you know, it's like, uh, you don't need more than one chair. Well, I do, because sometimes I like to sit in a different chair. <laughs> Although I don't, but I make the family sit in different chairs. I always sit in the same place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I suppose you do need your creature comforts. Everybody needs their famous unwashed ankle brace, after all. That's exactly They right. wouldn't have an unwashed ankle brace, I can tell you that. <laughs> Not on the Minimalists channel. No, you're right, though. That, that, I mean, that, that um, the Minimalist movement, if you mm. like, um, is, yeah, if that's... You know, there, yeah. there are many people who who that is their passion and and go for it. If that is it, do it. Yeah. Um, but whatever it is, it right. needs to be found and done. I'm not sure we've done this question before. Um, or, or there's a possibility you sent us a lot more questions in, just not just one from Oliver Jaggy. And I always think of that because I see Jaggy and I think of our good old friend Jaggy JPEG every time Jaggy I see. JPEG. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dear Neil, dear Kev, I've recently updated my equipment. I traded in an XT2 an XE2 uh, and my XF35F2 for a used XT32 with a magic lens. I'm pleased with it, especially the ability to save the white balance settings for each custom uh, setting. It's a a significant improvement. So I can uh, use seven different recipes from Fuji's X Weekly. Have you tried any of them? One annoying thing I ran into was the inability to use focus tracking in video mode. Now, I don't know the XE2 at all, so this one is firmly in your court. Am I just... No, Oliver. He says, am I just stupid, or is it impossible to use this in video mode? To use what? The film simulations? Yeah, uh, the I, custom settings? I guess that's what he means, yeah. 
Yeah, on uh, XT2, I think it's probably impossible. But um, I know, like on XT5, XT4. Oh, hang on. No, I think he means can he use focus tracking in video mode? Mm, XT2, yeah, I think so. Stick it in continuous. Hmm. Um, I don't think he can. I think he's having. I think Jaggy is having is having problems. I don't knew. I don't have an. I sold my XT2, but I. You didn't sell your XE2. You, you lent it to me. It's in this cupboard. Have you got it? Have you? I'm sure I sold it. Along with your 35 mil. Just I know that, yeah, I know where that is. <laughs> um, and my 60 mil macro. I've got that, yeah. I, I, love, um, I love that lens. You're never having that back. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I'd be surprised if you couldn't mm. put in custom, uh, continuous focus um, in video mode. But maybe the XE2 is quite an old camera. Maybe it wasn't, but... Fairly mm. sure you could. Shouldn't be any reason why not. Uh, and, and might I, be worth just doing a, a, a re well check yeah. first of all in the forums and stuff like that, or come to the Facebook group and ask brainy people whether it's possible on XE2. And if it is, then it might be worth just going to the settings and doing the old reset and maybe something you've got mm. set up that, that doesn't allow it. I was going to say it's quite bold to trade in an XT2 for an XE2, but they are two totally different machines. So, yeah, yeah, he did have yeah. a PS, which is very strange, Kevin. How has your sleep pattern been over the past year? Why is Oliver Jaggy asking you a question like that? I don't really know. Well, he seems, um, he seems to be very concerned about you, Kev. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know why he's asking that question, I should say. But my sleep pattern, I'm terrible at sleep. I, 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 it takes me a long time to go to sleep, and I do kind of get dis easily disturbed. Do you? Don't, tell me you don't study your watch and look at your biorhythmic by whatever patterns. and. Uh, I do have a watch that tells me... Like sleep, I do kind of glance at it every now and again, mm. and it just says, "Yeah, that you." <laughs> that would frighten me rigid. I don't. It's like having a it's like having a doctor at the end of your bed. Gemma's Gemma's got. I bought Gemma a, um, a really nice smartwatch for Christmas, and uh, and it does that as well. And, I, and she was like, "Oh, it'll it, you know, it's all rubbish." And so I did it, and her sleep's like, "Yeah, you've got nineteen hours sleep last night. Perfect, <laughs> undisturbed." Has it, has it become a competition? <laughs> Maybe it wasn't Boxing Day, but... <laughs> yeah. Right, questions. Oh, we're back to the Book of Face. We do need email ones. Please click at fujicast.co.uk. And we do need um, more um, Facebook ones. So, Kev, from that Book of Face, what do you have? Uh, I have a question here from David Rathbone. He says, how do you store your files after processing? I shoot them in RAW. I shoot in RAW, I should say, then import to Lightroom and then create a collection, which I share on Lightroom Mobile. I then set about making any alterations to the file in both classic and mobile, i.e. Wow. on my Mac and on my iPad, on the understanding that my corrections and masks would sync perfectly. I recently decided to rebuild my Lightroom cloud data and then found a lot of masks either did not sync and I had to force sync or the changes were lost, probably oh, wow. some error by me. But would I be better saving the process file as a JPEG in addition to retraining, retaining the original raw file? And including the changes. Am I right in that the new, uh, that raw file remains unaltered in Lightroom and the changes are recorded in a separate file? Kev, you well, teach Lightroom. Cert that's certainly not the way. That's way more complex than the way I do it. I simply have a folder. I have a folder on my desktop, on my laptop, or on my MacBook Pro, as it were, and I have my catalogue in there. And um, I used to put them on Google Drive, but for some reason... Kevin, you told me the reason why uh, uh, the Google Drive can't work with Lightroom files being shared anymore. There is a reason you, you, you told yeah, me. Yeah, you can't. shouldn't you shouldn't put it on a shareable drive like um, Google Drive. Well, it, wor it worked for so long; it was brilliant, Dropbox. but it doesn't doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but so I, I do that, and if I want to share that with a retoucher, then I just simply 
send that uh, that catalogue with smart previews um, to uh, to Nat in this case, and, and she does the work. It just sends back the the catalogue folder, and I uh, and I swap it over, swap one for the other, and that's the way that I do it. And I keep mine on uh, a few separate safety drives, and I do put one up in the cloud as well. So I mean, I f- feel I'm fairly well. But that, that's not half as clever as this, where you're able to work on it in both forms of both flavors of Lightroom and, and on your um, and, and on your iPad as well. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't think David is is talking here about kind of full wedding edits and stuff like that because that's that's slightly different. But yeah, in Lightroom Classic, you can have a you can have one collection synchronized to yes. your cloud yes. to your Lightroom yeah. uh, Creative Cloud account, yeah. which should then synchronize across your mobile app, your iPad app all of that kind of stuff with Lightroom CC, right? Lightroom Classic. Um, Because there's no Lightroom Classic on iPads and stuff. It's Lightroom CC, the mobile app. Um, And it works. It should work. There should be no reason why your masks or anything like that have not come through. But it will only be, it will only do it on one collection as far as I'm aware. So just make sure that your images are all in that that collection, your mobile collection or your cloud collection, if you like. the other parts of the question, yeah, raw files are never touched. It's a totally um, undestructive um, editing workflow. It creates XMP sidecar files that, that yeah. keep the um, the data on your Lightroom Classic. Um, or, yeah, I, I mean, you, you like if I go into Lightroom, I have a personal Lightroom catalog, and that has all my personal pictures, which if I edit will stay there and, and, and kind of be updated. But only one only one um, collection in that personal folder is connected to my Lightroom cloud. And the way that I work it is, so if I take a photo on my phone mm-hmm. and, and I want to keep it, then I upload it to Lightroom on my phone. And then that automatically appears as if by magic on my computer. Ah, in the studio. I do a similar thing actually with the iPhone, funnily enough. Oh, I'm doing yeah. it. Oh, I think I did. <laughs> I've, yeah, there yeah. you go. But any and then anything else, I just delete yeah, it. Because yeah, yeah. if, if I haven't stuck it in Lightroom, then I know I don't need to keep it. Um, but yeah, they should be. However, I, I I must say I do find the synchronization between Lightroom and the cloud clunky, cumbersome, and often just rubbish. Yeah. It you know it does not. Uh, it takes a time. It takes a long time, especially if you've got a video that's being uploaded. If you've added a video from your phone to Lightroom Mobile, it seems to take decades for it to upload it and it just blocks everything behind it so you know and that that might be why you've reset your uh lightroom uh, the 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 synchronization cache you can do that by going to edit preferences holding the alt key down and then a little button comes up that says reset synchronization cache which sometimes will fix it um but yeah you you only things in your cat in your collection that are marked as the the um synchronization will synchronize across otherwise they will just stay locally on your computer i know it's not connected with this but uh, and uh, unless you're about to say to me but neil they've been doing that for years where have you been i do wish that lightroom uh, you could use lightroom to color grade video well you can <laughs> i had a feeling you were going to say that can you? you can but you wouldn't i mean you can clips you can bring a clip a video clip into Lightroom, and you can drop a preset on it. You could drop a LUT on it. You can do that, but you you wouldn't be you you're not going to be editing in there. You're not going to be trimming it. You're not going to be adding um, transitions, all that kind of stuff. Literally, it's it's clips. But you can you can drop presets on it. Yeah, the only reason I say that is because I understand Lightroom far better than I do color grading tools within Premiere. 
and uh, I know uh, I know other systems are available. I just I, I don't know. I just I managed to make far yeah. nicer skin tones in Lightroom than I I ever do in that color grading uh, uh, system in uh, in Premiere. That's for sure. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel that pain. Yeah, I understand yeah. that. But yeah, you can you can do basic. You can drop a preset on a clip, but you can't do anything else in there. And that is it for uh, for this time. Uh, we uh, would like love to hear from you. So there's two ways to get in touch with the show. If you're going to do it via the book of face, Kev, how do they do it? What's the system? What happens? And how can you be on the next show? Uh, go to Facebook, search for Fujicast Facebook group, join it and uh go to there's a there's all kinds of stuff in there but most importantly there is a thread posted to the top that says questions for the show thread and you will see it um mm. easily and uh, i'm just looking what we're doing next on the patron pop-up um, oh yeah we've got a patron pop-up so uh, this this is if, if you're a patron we've been doing crit- gen- gentle kev always underlines gentle genteel uh critique who's next do you know we've got a picture from robin chun Okay, uh, Robin Chan's uh, picture. Okay, really nice uh, Bristol-based street photographer. Fantastic. So we shall be talking to him right after the show. You can go to Patreon and listen to the Patreon pop-up. And if you'd like to email in, click at fujicast.co.uk. So, a little bit of time travel here. Good luck, Kev. I'm sure you did well on the mat. And uh, you, you will be several points closer to your black belt, won't you, by now? Or will you actually have it? Will he, We have it. We have it. <sighs> It's a big ask to get it. It's a big ask to win three fights, like completely. But if I if I progress a little bit, if I get another ten points, then I'll be I'll, I'll be reasonably happy. We're gonna have a party, Kev. Party, party. I think at your party we should burn the um, make it a sacrificial burning of that horrible piece of material that you've been putting on your ankle for the past twenty five years and haven't washed it. Horrible, Kev. Anyway, that's it for this this time. We'll see you next time. Bye, Kev. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.